That's not true. I'm Frankie. And I'm Jake. And I say that because um, recently I had a friend tell me they uh, were fans of the pod. And, okay. Uh, we okay. have a fan of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and, but they said that they, um, they're they newer friends. And so they were having trouble deciphering my voice and your voice. They couldn't tell who oh, was who. okay. So I'm Jake. And I'm Frankie. Do we sound alike? Maybe we do. No. I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe just because I I just know what your voice sounds like now. I think we have the same drawl. When we talk to each other, <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> we start to like mirror each other, so that's probably yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. That southern um, drawl. <laughs> so, how was your week? Uh, it was good. What did you do? <laughs> I drank. I, I relapsed. <laughs> I relapsed. No, I. No, I Remember went how to dramatic. This, it was that last episode. How you talked yeah, about turning oh a new leaf. Oh my god! Going Eighteen days of no drinking. Oh I feel like a new god. person. <laughs> okay, well, I made it to twenty-six days, but this okay. was an event that had been planned before I decided to do that, and I knew sure. that I was going to be drinking here, so. You know, what's one more day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it looked like you had I'm fun. It was very fun, and I wasn't hungover the next day. Look at that. And, yeah. Top shelf. And I drank a detox tea when I was done, so. It, oh, there so we go. It's not even, it's like it never happened. <laughs> I love that. Good for you. <laughs> Good for yeah. you. Way to let loose. What did you do this weekend? Oh, bitch, I blasted off to Chromatica. Right on me. Yeah. Um, uh, what's your review on it? Oh, my God. Probably, I've seen Gaga in concert now eight times, and this was by far my favorite. Of the concerts. Wow. Yes, it was it was just amazing. It was like gay church, like everybody like oh, I'm the sure. energy. Like okay, this was at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles and there were fifty two thousand people there. <gasps> fifty two thousand people. Like it was insane. Madness. It was absolute madness. It was packed to the brim and we were pretty damn close. We kind of we were kind of to the right of the stage and yeah. so we couldn't we didn't have a direct view. You couldn't see her. Into you the stage. We could, yeah, I didn't see her once, but um, <laughs> she was really she looked great on the jumbotron. <laughs> and um, but honestly just like the vibe of everybody around, everybody was so stoked and like to hear that album live Ooh. Oh my god, it was incredible! Just like, full, so much fun. Everybody was dancing their ass off. I was dancing my ass off. Like, oh, it was it was just everything. It was so fun, and, and it was recorded, yeah, so, and it was recorded. So y'all will see the same exact. 
concert I saw at some point, whenever that comes out. <laughs> it's Look like for Chromatica live at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> in 2025. When yes, exactly. no one cares about that album anymore. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, before we jump into our movie this week, I was telling you last week how insane it was watching this, knowing someone who's almost gone through a very similar experience. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this week we are doing The Black Phone, which yeah. um, you know has a very real dark subject matter. I mean, most everything that we do has like a dark subject matter, obviously, but there's <laughs> such like... It's a horror movie about Kessel. There's like real life horror in this. This is... You know, like yeah. kidnapping and is... you know kidnapping of young children. And you said that you knew somebody who has personally gone through this, and they have been like, yes, so nice as to let us, uh, you know, kind of tell their story. Correct? Is that what I'm? Yes, I'm on the right track. Share with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharing their story with us, allowing us to, to, to use their story to bring awareness to the very real topic that lies within this movie. Yeah. And I know we normally keep things light and fun, but this is kind of a serious subject matter. This movie obviously deals with those serious topics. Yeah. So I have a newer friend. Um, her name is Mitzi Sanchez, and she's been super supportive of my endeavors in podcasting. Like, she's a fan of the pod, <laughs> She's a fan of sure. the pod. <laughs> but while we are newer friends, I've always known her name because she went through a very real experience that I couldn't stop thinking about when I first watched this movie. So obviously I asked her if we could discuss it for the show. And my question actually prompted her to watch the movie, which made me kind wow. of nervous. I was like, girl, I'm so sorry. I probably ruined your whole weekend. Yeah, I'm dragging seriously. you to the mess <laughs> over here at Fear the Talking Queers. Uh, but she ended up texting me and agreeing to have us share her story on this episode. I'll kind of tell you what she said about it. So when I was growing up in the town of Vallejo, California, there was a girl named Ziana Fairchild who went missing in December of 1999. So I was like, I think I was eight at that point. Right. She was seven. So um, we all knew her name because she quickly became the poster child of the town, like as a warning for the rest of us, like, hey, there might be a kidnapper, you know, on the loose. And so new protocols and procedures were put into place um, at the schools to make sure that kids were getting home safely with, like, right, of course. you know, their parents while officials looked for her. So, in August of 2000, Mitzi, who I think is just a couple of months younger than me, so she was eight years old at the time, she went missing as she was walking home from school, which also happened to be the day that they were going to be celebrating her birthday. Oh, God. So, I know. So, a man approached her and asked if she could help him reach a roll of duct tape in his car. Innocently, she tried to help, but he was just setting up a trap to abduct her. So during her time with him, he abused her and chained her legs together so that she couldn't escape. Um, he left her in her, his car. He even went to like her parents' house to grab flyers to distribute for Stop them. Stop it. Like, it's absolutely sick. Whoa. So after a few days of abuse and fear, he made a stop and he mistakenly left his keys inside the car. So she was able to bravely grab the keys free herself of her chains and escape as he yelled after her. So she got, I think they were, they might've been at a truck stop 
Uh, but she got help from a truck driver who was able to get her to keep her safe until authorities showed up and captured the abductor who was revealed to be a man named Curtis Dean Anderson. He would also take the responsibility for the murders of of about 10 other girls and women around the Bay Area since the early 1980s, which also included Ziana, whose remains were found in January of 2001, which was a little over a year after she went missing. So Mitzi returned home to her family safely, which I remember being like such a huge deal and such a big relief for like the town and the community. Oh my gosh, yeah, I can imagine. My grandma was closely following the story, so I always heard, you know, um, I remember my grandma making me watch uh, Mitzi's story on the news and told me to learn from her case if something like that were to happen to me. So later in life, more recently, Mitzi was able to use her experience and reclaim her trauma and turn it around into the Mitzi Sanchez Foundation, which you can find at mitzisanchez.org that's m-i-d-s-i-s-a-n-c-h-e-z.org and the mission of her foundation is to carry forward the fight to recover children who have been um, exploited or who have went missing or who have had abuse and trauma and the foundation depends on donations so if you go to the website you can definitely make a donation um, but basically they do safety education and they support families and victims through their traumatic experiences and they aid in the awareness of the investigation of a missing child so after watching the movie uh, after go- going through all of this and me asking her if we would let her share um, her story she watches the movie and then she texts me that uh, she texts me that a lot of stuff in the movie stuck out to her and that it definitely gave her some flashbacks Oof. which I was like oh that's like not what I wanted you know but Because she says that, like, every time she has to share her story or every time she has to, her foundation needs to help locate a missing child, that it just opens up all the same wounds. But by now, her faith has gotten her through it and she's been able to use her experience to help people, which I think is such, it was so brave of her to even do what she did in the first place. But then to keep revisiting that time in her life that's so traumatic to help other people and help inspire other people, I think is obviously very honorable yes so uh tell us the the name of the organization one more time just in case people want to go it's the mitzi sanchez foundation and the website is mitzisanchez.org and mitzi is spelled m-i-d-s-i perfect all right well thank you mitzi for letting us like tell your story and you know i hope that maybe somebody uh one of our listeners will uh head to your to your foundation and uh help out a little bit Yes, contribute to the fight against violence against children. Yes. It's insane. It is. It's insane. But also, like I said, her faith, which I think were the aspects of this movie that she liked as well, because that kind of brings us to the black phone. Yes, the black phone, in which, you know, you know us listeners, like, we keep things light and funny. So just know that we do take this subject matter very seriously, and we want to call attention to this right. organization. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into this movie, The Black Phone, um, one of the more successfully uh, critic, you know, critically acclaimed uh, horror mm-hmm. films of the year so far. So um, that's awesome. And it had so much um, hype for it because yeah. the trailer had came come out and everybody, you know, got the sinister vibes, obviously because it's a Scott Derrickson production. And um, so everybody was so excited for this movie and it just kept getting delayed, yeah. kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed. And the reviews were out for so long that everybody was just anticipating this movie. And it wasn't like, I guess, like the delays 
the delays weren't because it, the movie was bad or needed help. It was because it actually received such positive reviews that instead of a January release, they wanted a summer release because they wanted more people to get out there and see the film. And, you know, there's just much more... Uh, more business during the summer so um i it was a, it was a smart business move because this movie you know ended up being a a little bit of a success so good on them one of blumhouse's little gems and okay i literally i was at when when bloodhouse uh, bloodhouse what the fuck blumhouse came up <laughs> bloodhound <when>, productions <laughs> <laughs> yes when bloodhound <laughs> productions when blumhouse productions came up i literally said to myself i was like remember when that used to be a good thing and now it's like, oh god, I don't know, I don't know anymore. Yeah, you don't know what to yeah. expect. Did you know all those fucking Amazon movies? <laughs> yes, that came exactly, in? Like, exactly. You never know. But yes, this is uh, definitely one of the more uh, <laughs> uh, successful, you know, successfully done pictures they've done in a while. So, um, do you just want to get into it? Should we get into the black phone? Yes. All right. Yeah. Please. Yes. Yes. Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is the black phone. Welcome to the nightmare end of your pathetic little life. <laughs> you don't have much time. Today's the day, motherfucker. I can't kill you, hijo de puta. So Finn is gonna do it for me. Finn's arm is mint. <laughs> the Black, Black Phone, Phone, released in 2022. Written, written and directed by, by Scott Derrickson. Also, also written by C. Robert Cargill. Based, based on the, the short story, story by, by Joe Hill. Hill. Our movie begins in October 1978 at a baseball game in which Finney, played by Mason Thames, is the pitcher. He pitches towards a boy named Bruce, played by Tristan Pravong, who scores a home run, much to the discouragement of Finney. However, Bruce later tells Finney he almost got him because his arm is mint. A day or so later, Bruce rides his bike through the neighborhood and quickly notices a black van pull up in front of him. The screen fades to black. The next day, Finney and his sister Gwen, played by Madeline McGraw, get ready for school, careful not to make any loud noises as to disturb their hungover father Terrence, played by Jeremy Davies, which seems too common in the Blake household. As the siblings walk to school, Finney notices a missing flyer for Bruce. Gwen begins to tease Finney about the Grabber, a child abductor who prowls the streets of their Denver suburb. They also come across several students watching Finney's friend Robin, played by Miguel Casares Mora. I know, I feel so gringo right now. Triumphantly beating up a known bully at their school. At school, Finney is harassed in the boys' bathroom by a trio of bullies, but Robin enters the scene and is able to fend off the bullies who are intimidated by Robin's fighting skills. Bitch, those karate kid fighting skills that he has. Is literally... Hi-yah! Yeah. Hi-yah! Yeah. <laughs> Later, Gwen is called into the principal's office where she's interviewed by Detective Wright, played by E. Roger Mitchell, and Detective Miller, played by Troy Rudisiel. They're curious about some comments Gwen made to Bruce's sister, Amy. Gwen repeats to the detectives what was said, that she had a dream about Bruce in which he was kidnapped by a man in a black van with black balloons. The detectives are puzzled that Gwen knows these details as black balloons were found in the scene of Bruce's abduction, but they never release that information to the public. Gwen explains that she frequently experiences dreams that are sometimes reality. The next morning, Finney wakes up to Gwen crying, being whipped with a belt by their father. He's upset because the cops showed up to his work, asking questions about Gwen's dreams. Terrence tells Gwen that she is not her mother and her dreams are not real. Later, Robin is seen walking to the store and begins to approach the grabber's black van. The screen fades to black. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Okay, so 
1978 setting gives the movie a very Americana feel. Like, oh yeah, they all they give it that hint of sepia tone as most horror movies set <laughs> in the 70s do. It looks yeah. like the pictures from the period. Yeah, everything feels like really like muted. Like the color palette just it's, yeah, it's just like very spot on 70s. It reminds me of the Amityville Horror 2005, like where it's literally uh, orange. Um, <laughs> But even the iconography in here that feels Americana is like the baseball, the 70s fashion, yeah. soda bottles, beer cans, bikes, like childhood fights. Like, yeah, this is very, summer in the 70s. Like yeah, very suburban. Yeah. yeah, like everybody's just like riding bikes and walking and just saying hi to their neighbors. Like they know their neighbors. Like that is not a thing of the times. Yeah, they're not like who the fuck is that yeah, who, in front of my house? Literally, literally, <laughs> exactly. Like they're they they welcome people uh, speaking to them in public. <laughs> okay, this Mr. Mason Thames playing Finn is such a cutie. Oh my god, yes, and it's so weird. There's something about him. I could. He's one of those people. He's obviously like a young man. He's a young. He's like a teenager. But he just looks. I has, thought that too. He has. <laughs> He has the face of somebody that could see exactly what they're going to look like when they're an adult. You know what I'm saying? He has a man's face. And Yes, he has like a man's face. And sometimes like up close, I was like, oh, this kid's like 19 years old. And then when they like pull away like to a long shot of him where he's like, you can see how tall he is. He's like 11. I'm like, oh my God, he's like a 12 year old. He's like actually a little boy. But he just has this like maturity about him. Yes, I was just about to say that. I think that speaks volumes to the level of maturity that he's giving in his performance. Like, it harkens back to, like, those talented child actors from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. That you might see in a movie this old. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I I, I think he does a really fantastic job in this role. I think that he's probably one of the more grounded of the children in this movie. He seems to be one of the ones sort of based in reality where I can say that some of these kids, maybe this is my personal opinion, sort of are in a different movie. We'll get into it. Before we like go into the other characters, this fade to black moment, like we have, you know, this exchange with Finney and Bruce, and it seems like there might be a lot of scenes put into this movie, a lot of ideas so that these characters can somewhat be connected, like yeah. Bruce coming across Finney at some point. Because then right away, he's abducted. Yeah, exactly. Like, we get the sense that we know what's going on. And it, it, I don't know, there was, like, so much happening, like, so many different changes in scene and pace. Like, I didn't know if this was the same day. I yeah. didn't know if it was, like... Oh, seriously. <laughs> There's, I was like, wow, like, he's just, like, abducting people, like, every single day. But it seems like all these kids who've been abducted must have well, been like, there for, like, a, a week or two. Apart. Yeah, but it seems <laughs> like yeah. the way that this movie kind of goes along it feels like it's just like day after day another one goes yeah it's literally it was like hi i'm bruce and then he turns around yeah and then he gets goodbye killed. yeah like, yikes yeah Me, so yeah i don't know it, it almost it almost feels like finney is like uh the common denominator in this situation so yeah yeah he's sort of like um bad luck <laughs> like, don't don't okay, meet him but this set a sequence right here like they're showing Bruce approached the van and it's like boom. Yeah. Boom. Boom. And then it fades to black. And then like the credits start. And <laughs> and it felt like I was watching like a Netflix docuseries. <laughs> yes. It it did. It kind of felt like a true crime documentary. It's like a if a true crime documentary was also a horror film with some supernatural shit kind of sprinkled in. And so it would, maybe it speaks to why it was so popular because our generation has such a fascination with 
true crime. With true crime, yeah. Especially from, you know, yesteryear. You could spend hours scrolling through Netflix, like, the disappearance of so-and-so. And And it's like a a picture from, like, the 1960s of somebody with, like, a bowl haircut. The cool thing about it, too, is that even though it's very nostalgic for people to watch something like this, at the same time, it didn't, like rely on that like I feel like sometimes something like Stranger Things can you know use it to like they're like shoving the the period down our our throats yeah like Like, we get it remember when phones looked like this yeah yes exactly they're always look at this side ponytail and this girl's literally dressed like Madonna and like you know like crimped literally crimped (laughs) (laughs) yes like that does not no it is much more subtle in this movie even though I will say sometimes not always uh oh yeah Mr. Vance over here with that wig okay that was (laughs) shocking (laughs) I was like like why is her wig huge um yeah (laughs) But I, for the most part, think that this might be a very realistic depiction of 70s childhood. Like, my mom and my aunts and uncles, they'll tell stories and, like, show photos off of, like, this time period, like, when they were children. And, like, from the style to the fights, this seems like something right out of their stories. Right. Well, even, um, you know, Scott Derrickson was like, this is very reminiscent of my childhood. And he said something along the lines of, like, when I think of one word to describe my childhood, it was fear. I was like, oh my God, that's so sad. But apparently, like, just, like, where he grew up, there was a lot of, you know, missing people cases and abuse and all these things. And so this is very much a reflection of his world, you know? That's crazy. So basically, he was living in Halloween 1978, because this is literally what that feels like at a certain point. The walking home scenes. Yeah, it feels, it's like a mix of, like, Halloween and It, you know, or, you know, It Chapter One. Like, Mm -hmm. very much... It very much almost like lives in like the Stephen King esque world, yeah. And I and I think that kind of gets us to uh, Miss Gwenny because I feel like oh, she's yeah. a character straight out of a Stephen King story, literally. But you know what? Before we get too much into her, let's just discuss the character that I'm sure you were talking about earlier, Robin, because uh, we're also yes. introduced to him around here. Yeah. Uh, I think that he is such a cool character. I love the styling, the Cheech and Chong shirt, the bandana, the toughness. It also looks like someone right out of, like, uh, the childhood photos of my family. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> you hated the performance. Yes, I did. I'm not you gonna didn't, lie. I, knew, I know, that was one of the first things that I think you said you didn't like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I know, like, a lot of the praise that I've seen, like, praises the kids in this movie. But to be honest, like some of them aren't giving it to me and he's definitely the worst of them. The the performance just feels almost like it's a little like decom in like an adult movie, you know? I see what you mean. Yeah. Especially, Hey, you got, I, I don't, and I don't know if it's because these characters are given kind of a naturally adult dialogue to deliver. Yes. Yes. Because I hear it in his line delivery. There's a little bit of a disconnect. I don't think... I feel like he's not always fully understanding what he's saying. Yeah. So there's a disconnect in the line delivery. And I think, for the most part, he gives it his all. So I do think that his performance fares well, but not against the powerhouses that he actually has scenes with. But it's hard to say that because he is a child and whatever. But, like, I'm just not a fan of his casting. I don't think he was cast very well. Wow. Well, there you have it. 
This movie is getting a two out of five from Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They cannot all be, you know, fannings or, you know, whatever. Like, oh, sure, sure. So, <laughs> so JK hates kids. Um, no, <laughs> you all, child actors. Um, just but then we get Miss uh, Miss Madeline McGraw, who I think is just a star. Oh my goodness! Yes, absolutely. She gives one of the most compelling performances in this film for sure. She like carries yes. it. Well, she doesn't. She, she doesn't carry it, but like her character is a, a delight to see on screen. But like you said, there is still some unnatural dialogue. Absolutely, There's some unnatural dialogue when it comes to her. Like there are literally some scenes where like those scenes when she's like pleading to Jesus that I'm like, you can literally replace the word Jesus with Santa Claus. And she sounds like she's acting in a Christmas film. In the Grinch. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Please, please Santa Claus. Why are you doing like, help me out. Give me a sign. Like, but then all of a sudden we get into these other scenes where she's like fantastic Slaying the scene because within this same section we see the you know like the oh golly i wish i yeah. wish and then yeah. it turns into um something real like that well then it turns into oh yeah you little fart knucker <laughs> yeah, you yeah. think that i'm the grabber well you i'll show cock-sucker, you sucker motherfucker fuckers she literally fucks. probably one of the most vulnerable performances in yes. this movie when she's getting whipped with the belt. She has yes. range. That's for sure. She has range. She can do it all. She can appear, you know, in the next holiday classic and she can also appear in a horror film. So <laughs> yeah. McGraw, she she's well-rounded and she yeah. gave all, she gave the, the entire spectrum of her range in this film. <laughs> I kind of feel like the, di- the, the difference between Finn and Gwen and these unnatural moments for Gwen like cussing out the detectives I feel like that came from Scott Derrickson's maybe touch on the script where he wanted the dynamic to be so different like he wanted Gwen to be like the tough you know confident one whereas Finney was the more shy and reserved one like getting bullied of course but I feel like there was they probably were trying to exaggerate that dynamic by adding those scenes in yeah I don't think that it was totally necessary I thought her performance did most of that work but sure I I wonder if it has to do with like maybe he was going for an angle of the, the they're still kids you know they still have like the capability of being full of wonder and being sort of innocent and bright eyed and bushy tailed but these particular kids live in like this very violent world where all, their yes. entire world revolves around bullies abuse kidnappings suicides like they live in this really dark world but it's like also showing that they're still kids and so when things happen like they witness this bully fight that happens between robin and or or when they get into fights themselves like literally within a couple minutes they're like kind of laughing and giggling and having you know just normal child talk it it is kind of you you would think that it would yeah it's kind of weird but it's like maybe that's because he's portraying it as like this is just their day-to-day life this is how they cope if they don't know anything different other than this very violent world that they live in. Yeah. When I'm seeing Miss Gwen get beat by her dad, I'm like, the way people used to beat their kids and how normal physical punishment Ugh. was and still oh, yeah. is, honestly, in some families, yeah. it's appalling. I definitely have a belt story or two. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was always devastating to me as a child, but it was always, it was not like the scene in the in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't ever feel like it I put any lasting trauma on me, you know, the physical punishment I received. Sure. <laughs> but, um, 
and also it didn't make me afraid of my elders or like scared to do anything like it was right. literally because I was being bad and I was punished um, <laughs> but the storytelling here like you said there's so much the violent world they live in in this first section it obviously is telling us that it's serving up a narrative of child abuse and childhood trauma and violence yeah. against children there's so much fighting whipping verbal abuse that yeah, takes oh place gosh. throughout the movie and a lot and of also- fear yeah, and also there's like this emphasis put on like who is the toughest in the school, like when it comes to like their like yeah. dynamic between the kids at school. We get a lot of like Is it Vance? You're, is you're, it Moose? Is it Robin? Yeah, who is the toughest? Who is the one that could beat up all the other kids? Like that is that is how they determine the hierarchy in their school of who is oh yeah who is who is the most powerful student at their school is who can literally beat the other one's ass like that's well, why that explains Finn's behavior yeah. at the end of this movie because he literally killed the killer yes. who killed those kids yes literally got it spoiler alert by the way this is a spoiler. new movie you may or may not have seen it <laughs> yes <laughs> We just explained the whole thing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, this is, um, this is trauma. This is fear. This is trauma. This is, yeah. So, and it obviously is perpetuated by the adults in this situation too. Like, obviously, I mean, not saying that every single one of these kids that are bullies in this movie have abusive parents, but like these particular ones, while I don't think that Finney and Gwen are bullies, they even experience this stuff at home, like not just at school. So this is just their life. And that's why they, you know, it, they're so close. And it's kind of nice to see in a movie, I think, because I think it is kind of rare to see a sibling dynamic where they don't hate each other. Yeah. They're like, they rely on each other. They rely on each other. System. Yeah, they have to. They literally, there's nobody else that knows their particular situation better than each other. You know? Aww. Yeah, this is sort of sad. This is a sad right. setting that we're being right. thrown into. Exactly. But, for a lot of people, this is their reality. Yeah, it is. It is true. Oh, this by the way, uh, Gwen is also psychic. <laughs> you throw yes, that in I there. was just about to say, yes, <laughs> we have this added layer of voyeurism that I was not expecting from like the trailers leading up to this movie. But I guess I do like that they have an explanation. Like I was probably not going to be convinced that these boys just started showing up as ghosts. And right. there was no discussion about like, oh, well, they're psychic, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so giving Gwen this ability to have visions and Finney also either having that ability himself or getting signals from his sister because they're close. Oh, and, yeah, I, I, know, know. I, didn't, I never even thought about that, that it could be due to some sort of psychic like relationship with her brother. Yeah, like a, I didn't I never thought about that. I thought he was just like I was like, wow, this is a crazy like town. The... <laughs> Why but uh, but <laughs> this also is a crazy like crazy town. This is a crazy town. There's ghosts and psychics and yeah. kidnappers. Yeah. Like <laughs> but I guess that does that it does kind of make sense, I guess. I think that is a little bit of an issue it's with all, this movie. It's is witches, that, goblins and ghosts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Movie. When do they come out? This when is definitely they... Halloween ish. Well it takes place in October. So Oh, you're right. You're right. Duh. Yeah. What was I thinking? Of course. Go- Goblins and goblins and scaries <laughs> and ghosts <laughs> with all of their hoax. It was the, you know, the Halloween, the Go- beginning of oh, Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Goblins, what did they say? Go- yeah. Goblins? You keep saying goblins. <laughs> Goose. Gooses. <laughs> Are you uh, meaning to say goblins? Yo. <laughs> Witches and goblins and da 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 da. Which is all their house. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? But it feels whatever. very that. It feels like that, right? <laughs> it What's does. Going on? 
But like um, I was saying, I think that that is a little bit of an issue with this movie that none of these ideas really come together to explain themselves or like you know there's no there's no explanation as to how any of these things are really connected to each other how are the kidnapping connected with ghosts connected with psychic people they just happen to all coincidentally they just got lucky that somebody literally has a psychic connection with has a psychic sister has it was got kidnapped and was able to use this ability to connect with the spirits of the other boys who had passed on to eventually overcome the killer but yeah okay so one of the things that I notice here in this section is that there's a lot that happens. We're getting a lot of story. <laughs> yes. We're getting a lot of backstory, a lot of situations. And it sort of made me confused about how time was passing. And right. like until Finney is abducted, all of these first few scenes feel very random. And um, like I've been confused every time Gwen says that she's staying at her friend's because it's Friday. And then literally says that in the very next scene. Like, oh, a week passed? I had no idea. Yeah. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh, okay. It, it is sort of like inconclusive about how time passes in this movie. Like, how mm-hmm. long, when once we, you know, get the abduction and all that stuff, like, how long is he actually in there for? We never really know. Has she and been looking for months, weeks, days? Have We don't know. It's because of those things that we were just talking about where it's like, there's so much happening. There's so many added layers that they had to show you an example of each piece of the puzzle. Yes, exactly. To then get into the story. So this right. feels, you know how we usually have rushed endings? This feels like a rushed opening. <laughs> it's kind of like rushed opening, but story. also it's so weird because it sort of bookends that way, to be honest, too. It's a rush opening and a rushed ending with like a good meat in the middle. It's yeah. like a, it was like if a bur- it's like a, a protein style burger. You it, know? Yes. This was tiptoeing on everything but the kitchen sink. (laughs) 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 It was almost there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I kind of do like the Mm -hmm. very small glimpses of of the grabber. Yes. Like in the back. The blackout is kind of frightening. Yeah, the blackout or the... um, I think, I guess it's not until Robin gets abducted, but it's the... uh, it's that like kind of out of focus one where he's like walking towards him or is With that the cape. Or is that? He's wearing like a cape. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a magician. Well, let's get into that bitch. Let's go, let's meet the grabber. Scary. Yes. Finney is distressed, distressed when he learns Robin has gone missing. Desperate for his return. He asks Gwen if she can do her dream thing to maybe help find him. Gwen explains she has no control over her visions, but she still tries to pray to Jesus, asking if he can help her have dreams that can reveal the missing boy's whereabouts. The following week, Finney and Gwen get into a blood brawl with Finney's trio of bullies. Finney's crush Donna, played by Rebecca Clark, sits next to him in science class and acknowledges she knows about his fight earlier and says she wishes she and her brother were just as close as Finney and Gwen. Which is, you know, just another Scott Derrickson, probably, addition to the storyline. Yeah. Just to be like, look how close they are, you guys. Even Donna noticed. Yeah, it. even Donna, even this girl, <laughs> yeah. She's noticed. Gwen teases Finney while walking home for after school about his interaction with Donna. Gwen parts from Finney on their walk because on Fridays she spends a night at her friend's house. Little Miss Susie. Finney continues walking alone and eventually stumbles across the Grabber, played by Ethan Hawke, who pretends to drop his groceries... Or his eggs, or whatever the fuck he was carrying. <laughs> <laughs> he explains to Finney that he is a part-time magician and attempts to show him a magic trick, but Finney is instead alarmed by the black balloons in his van. Before he can run away, the grabber uses the balloons to hide his attack on Finney, throwing him in the back of the van. 
In the midst of the attack, Affini is able to pull out his rocket ship flashlight pen and slice open the grabber's arm. Finny passes out during the attack after the grabber sprays some sort of chemical in his mouth. What do you think that was? Pam. <laughs> it looks like he sprays it in his mouth, but then we spend the next several scenes talking about how he sprayed it in his eyes. So, I don't know. Mmm, okay. Weird. He awakens in a soundproofed basement to the grabber wearing a strange devil mask. The grabber tries to assure Finny that nothing bad will happen to him. The grabber then becomes distracted by a ringing phone that can't be heard by Finny. The grabber leaves the room, locking Finney inside the basement. The basement only consists of a mattress and a toilet. On the wall is a black rotary phone that Finney soon discovers is disconnected. Gwen learns from her father that Finney never made it home from school, and the police begin a search for him. Gwen turns to Jesus once again to help locate Finney. Suddenly back in the basement, Finney thinks he hears the black phone ring and picks it up. Just then, the grabber enters and says there is a wrench in his plans and accidentally alludes to it being an unexpected house guest. The grabber says he's heard the phone ring before, but thinks static electricity causes it to ring. Later, Finney tries to sleep and wakes up to the grabber watching over him, explaining that he just wanted to look at him. Ew! Disgusting. When the grabber leaves, the phone rings again. Finney answers it. It is a boy's voice. But the voice is unable to remember his own name, or who he was when he was alive, but he explains he knows Finney because his arm is mint. It is Bruce's spirit. He tells Finney about a floor tile he can remove to dig a tunnel to escape. Finney finds the broken tiles and begins to dig a hole. That night, Gwen has visions of Bruce's life, his abduction, and her brother screaming for help from inside a brick house. Ring ring! Hello? So, okay. This is the introduction to what you were saying before, where there is this spiritual aspect, which I feel like Scott Derrickson uses a lot in his movies. I mean, he's the director of The Exorcism of Emily Rose. He's the director right. of Deliver Us From Evil, starring... Um, Gabrielle Eric, Union? Just Eric Bana. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Deliver Us From Eva. <laughs> but um, I think it's well done here. I think her having calling out to Jesus to, for her visions is is pretty wholesome. It's used cutely here, and I think honestly that's why Mitzi was like, okay, let's you know show the story because she too believes in Jesus and she feels like her faith is really what got her through it and was she was able to turn her story around. So Miss Gwen doing this feels like a wholesome aspect to this movie for sure. Yeah, I mean I think that. Uh, you, you know, in very desperate times, like people obviously, turn you know, turn yeah. turn to the turn to faith for comfort, and so yeah, it makes sense. Well, especially when you're going through this amount of trauma that Ms. Gwen is experiencing. I like, mean, yeah, it's I, definitely. You, helpful. I feel like it could, it could go either way. To be honest, I feel like you could either, yeah. you know, you Give can either lean hard into it, and it could be your salvation, or it can be literally like. There is no God. Like, why would you turn on it? Yeah. Yeah. Which happens. Her her faith is tested, Ms. Gwen. Sure. Okay. But then we get this one more fight, girl, because there's just not enough in here. Oh, my God. This fight is crazy. Brutal. Ms. Gwen, I think she might have killed that boy. He might have died later. I thought (laughs) she did. Oh, my God. The way his head was bleeding. He was probably too embarrassed to tell him that a girl hit him. So he probably went home and said that he fell. And he probably died in his sleep. And that's why she was never convicted. (laughs) And that's how Bob Saget died. So Jesus. Uh, it's also the fight where I'm like, okay, I don't know if this one was totally necessary. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I mean, we it's just establishing more and more that they are. How close Gwen and, and Finney are. I guess. But yeah, but like other than that, what is the point of it? The bullies never really. 
We never see any consequence for them. They don't get theirs. I don't, you know. It's... They've already established that Finney has a crush on Donna. So I think that it could have been as easily as like they accidentally get paired up in science class and she goes, Hey, your sister's Gwen, right? Oh my gosh, I love her. I love how close you guys are. You know, I wish my brother and I were like that too. That could have been it. It didn't have to that, be another. Yeah. We didn't have to see these kids get fucking abused for I an know. hour and a half. I mean, is this to show like that Finney is capable of, or is not afraid of a fight, or may, or that he, or it's like showing the where he is now, and then by the end of the movie, once he he gains his self confidence, he you know it becomes the fighter that he never was. Is that right. what this is supposed to be? I guess. I, I mean, yes. I, it's definitely a storyline tool. <laughs> yeah. It's like it didn't so. feel that. Like we got it. We got it. Trust, yeah, we get trust it. your audience. Beat each other up. Yeah, trust yes. your audience. Okay, the grabber. The grabber. All right, Miss Ethan Hawke. Honestly, <laughs> I think does the damn thing in this movie. Oh my god, the way he moves, the way he speaks, it's terrifying. Yeah. What? So we really get like the first glimpse of it, of him like as the grabber, the grabber in the subduction scene with Finney. Yeah. And it's actually really scary. Especially yeah. in a world like this. Like, I feel like now in our day and age, obviously, uh, kidnapping is something that we're made aware of very early on because we do have to be aware of it. And yeah. when you have childhood stories, like, oh, back in my town, there was Mitzi Sanchez and Ziana Fairchild, you know? And so, like, those are very real topics. But when you actually put yourself in the position of these children, it's yeah. like... You're, you also get told to respect your elders and help, you right. know, adults. And, and so to, like, be presented with this, like, can you help me? It's like, you feel compelled to help because when you're a child, you're innocent and a decent person. Yeah. But then you I don't, don't, you don't think yeah, you're going to be you, the one and six exactly, children that this is going to happen exactly, to. Exactly. And that's always kind of goes, like, goes back to... I think what we were talking about with the obsession with true crime, I feel like it gives a way for people to like, I don't know if it brings much awareness or if it brings more like makes it almost like a, like a fiction or something. Like people start forgetting that this is all, that these are real things that have happened. That as if like, like this will never happen to me. This is just like a, a, something entertaining I'm watching on Netflix. I wonder if it's had any of that effect. No, honestly, that's why I feel like we never get the grabber's name. I wasn't going to bring this up until later, but the grabber in this is just the grabber. Like, it was kind of something I even tussled with, like, in the opening of this show. I was like, should I say what the abductor's real name was? You know, because, I don't know. We have this habit of getting something like a Netflix series about a true crime where, like, Bruce saying that he's forgotten his name is the first thing that goes because now you yeah. belong to the story of the grabber. Now you're one of the grabber's mm. victims. You're no longer Bruce Yamada, the best baseball player in the Little yeah. League. You're now the victim of the grabber. And so he's lost his identity in this um, in this death of his. And But instead, it's all, this almost feels like a like reclaiming that and like now these all these boys are getting their individual skill set their individual tools to help Finny and their names back and um meanwhile the grabber we never know beyond just the grabber a masked right man yeah and i think and i was watching an interview with scott derrickson where he was talking about it where he was like i i i 
I wanted to keep as much mystery as possible around the grabber and that, you know, he pretty much equated it to who I think is probably one of his biggest inspirations for for maybe writing the character or like directing Ethan was the Joker in The Dark Knight. Sure, yeah. And I but but he but, but he was like, you know, we never get the back the true backstory, you know, we get these like you know, false ones that the Joker would tell about, you know, the scars on the face and everything. But it's like, we never know what the truth is. And he was like, you know, we also never know why Hannibal Lecter decides to eat people, you know, right, that's right, never, right. Expl- that's never explained, <laughs> but that's what he, what he don't finds. think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was because of that, that he decided to not give the grabber backstory because he finds it scarier just as those, you know, in, Mm-hmm. villains of of movies that have come before have you know had successful you know villains yeah like hannibal th- like the joker i think parts of the uh, uh grabber that i like is that ethan hawk i think committed to being kind of rooted like in reality with the, his portrayal yeah but the writing of the character it's very scary, but also just with the mask and everything else built on yeah. top of it, it kind of feels like it's almost crossing into the territory of like, look, kids, this is what a sick predator looks like. Sure. When, uh, in reality, it's really just like your fucking neighbor. Yeah, Joe Blow yeah, next door. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, um, right, well, and yeah, and and I, and I do think that maybe going to be a masked man pretending to be a magician. Sometimes, of it's course, it, exactly. Exactly, but Most I think times. that I'm sure Blumhouse probably ha- felt an obligation to, to, you know, turn the whatever a little more towards horror. Yeah, you know, because yeah, there's yeah. an expectation. I mean, like this is going to be a horror film. How do we make this villain, you know, as horror like as possible? Well, some of the greatest horror movie villains wear masks, so obviously yeah and the mask is very creepy it was designed it by tom savini, tom savini the legend the legend and jason baker who probably did most of the work um <laughs> <laughs> yeah tom while it's, said, yeah that looks good <laughs> and obviously this is going to be a costume it's going to be very iconic for this movie yeah. um but i'm not completely sold on its necessity i think that ethan Hawke's performance and the way the character is written is enough i feel like the mask puts it on like this is who you need to be afraid of, you know? And it's like, okay, yeah. yes, but at the same time. But it is very specific iconography now we're getting from this movie. It when is. You see, when it you is. see that mask, now you're going to always think the, uh, black the black foam. foam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the But he, one of the things that I'm like, I'm saying, like, I'm like, I think his performance was enough is that line delivery he has when he's like, I promise I won't do anything that you won't like. like. I'm like, ew, uh, disgusting that that when i first heard that watching this movie for the first time it gave me chills i was like well well he's playing like a really good like duality in this character like it's weird he has this like sort of innocent like timid version of him where he sort of speaks like almost like he's like a a mother a mother talking to their little child i don't want to say this but almost like michael jackson dude i (laughs) I mean, I'm not, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that Michael Jackson did all those crimes that they said. Sure, sure, I'm sure, not sure, convinced sure. Fully, but yeah, the beginning when his face is like painted like overly white, and he has like his oh hair my down. God. The way and the aviators and the way he was speaking, I was like, yeah. why are they doing this to me? 
and the king of pop. I mean, I don't I'm, know. I, I just, I, that, you it's know what, a that complicated. Is so I never thought about that, but he does kind of <laughs> give a little bit of Michael Jackson's vibes. That is kind of, and it's not funny, you guys. It's but, not funny, but it is like. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. I think there was some some weird inspo there, inspiration there. Because I was like, what the hell is I'm... this? When he's not wearing his mask, I was like, okay, put the well, mask on. Well, I know. I was like, what is with, like, <laughs> the the zinc, like, like a clown sunscreen? Clown well, white, yeah. Yeah, the clown white makeup. Like, he's like, I thought maybe he had, like, a like an allergy to the sun or some other sort of supernatural bullshit. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He also but can hear the phone ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It is very interesting. But. Apparently, the character in the short story that was that this movie is based on, it was originally supposed he's supposed to be a clown, right? Mm, okay, but, that's not gonna work. Yeah, but they said because of it, it, and the success of it, that they couldn't recycle Do that a clown kidnapping. Yes, kid. so yeah, they're yeah. like, what's the closest thing to a clown? A magician. Who else, who else attends a kid's birthday party? And so, Obviously. he's an evil. <laughs> he's an e- an evil magician in this movie. Okay, I think it works. I think it I like, works yeah. well, better than a clown. Yeah, for sure. The black sure. balloons. Okay, sure. Again, sure. we can all add that to the our Halloween costume. You know, right, right. <laughs> it was definitely giving me Penny, Penny, Pennywise vibes. And um, when he's in Gwen's vision, he's in front of the house holding the balloons and laughing. Yeah, I was like okay, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's what I'm telling you. This movie seems very, very Stephen King influenced. Yeah, a, a lot of convoluted ideas. It's a little bit of Carrie, <laughs> a little bit of uh, Firestarter, it, a little, a bit, little of bit of Firestarter. Yeah. yeah, like all of it's, it. Christine, I was gonna. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Christine, Cujo, that's all. Oh, Cujo, Cujo <laughs> yeah, Cujo's in there. There's a, there's a oh uh, a my hungry God. dog. God, even The Shining with the fucking crazy fucking dad. Okay, the a- <laughs> okay, like, uh, an axe. Okay, an axe in the head. Yeah. Okay. This is giving. This is a this, Stephen King ripoff. Yeah, it literally. Now that I think about it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so we get this phone concept because now we're in the supernatural, right? So oh, right, Bruce right. is the first right. caller. He can't remember his name. <laughs> I kind of like I, the not remembering the name thing. To me, it felt like well, he yes. like was in some sort of like spiritual limbo or something, or he was just like he was a soul but not the person. Not anymore. You know? Yeah, because the, all of that stuff is over. All the yeah, all the chains that held him to this world, yeah. like names and gender. Like and names stuff, are a gone. social construct. Gone. For gone. Sure. gone, gone, gone. They're gone. like that doesn't that doesn't matter. Who cares what my name is? Yeah, I think we should all just be called Bruce. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> okay, yeah, we're so, all called Bruce down here. Hey, person. Um, so he says he can't remember his name and like I said I think that is a comment on the fact that like like you were saying where you have these docuseries and it becomes almost like uh, fictionalized like you don't realize that again Stab is based on a couple of, of kids that got killed up in California two years ago <laughs> like you don't realize that <laughs> so yeah. it, it's kind of like a comment like hey stop humanizing killers and predators and dehumanizing the victims by then just connecting them only to the person only to the murder them. like who oh, they yeah. were in oh, life yeah. and that's about their death like their death is what made them most, the most important it's like right like that exactly. was the achievement of their life no I don't think so and that's what one of them says uh, later on I think it was was it Griffin or is that what the kid's name is where he's like 
you know, I, I was a nobody, but until all of a sudden I was murdered, then I was everybody knew my name. Yeah. You know? So Ooh, good, 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 good. Exactly. Good job so the, I one. think the movie is aware of that concept that you're talking about as well. Yes. Okay. Good. But then Bruce also reveals another. You want one more? Well, the grabber can also He's hear the gay. Oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> just, just, fuck. This is doing nothing for the gay community. <laughs> well, They're like, see, he's a fact. I don't know. It's like, sometimes I though, sometimes though, I will say, I think Ethan's giving a little bit of like, sort of like femme energy. Yes. yes. And I was like, hmm. Enter the Michael Jackson, like, Con- okay. Con- connection. Yeah. 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 I was like, is this like, uh, is this a little like inappropriate? I don't know. It, or is this like the- inappropriate? When he started saying that he was going to, because it's one thing to kidnap the kids and like not okay. and, j- yeah. and kill them, be a child killer versus sure. a child predator. This is the reason why people didn't like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake was because not only he wasn't just a child killer, he was also a child molester. And it's like, yeah, I was like, Ugh, Oh, uh, yikes. This took a turn for the worse. And this yeah. movie's like everything, mass serial killer. And he's, uh, uh, I think what makes it hard is that he's a, obviously a sex offender. He's obviously, sure. You know, I don't know. He gets off on this, on these young boys. And I, th- we, I think, he's also right? playing a femme is version that, is of that the character. Is that what it is? I, again, we don't really get a very clear concept of what the grabber gets out of this. Is I it sexual know. gratification? I don't know. I, who knows? The shirt off I, kind of makes yeah, me think that yes, the, sure. I'm not going to do implied. anything to you that you won't Which, like. And when he says, if you touch me, I'll scratch you. And he's like, this face. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. okay, you are... This is why people thought, you know, teachers shouldn't, gay people shouldn't be teachers. <laughs> is that why? <laughs> because they try, they tried to equate being a homosexual to sure. being a child molester, and that right, those are completely he just, he two j- different things. He just gives a little bit of a queer coded vibe in this. Exactly, and I, and and I, don't, I don't appreciate that angle. I was sort of like, ugh. it was like kind of like, oh, ugh. I don't know if I like that. No. Like, is is it, that fair? It only furthers the, sure, the stigma. conservative fucking stick. You know, like when somebody's going to watch this, some fucking dumbass. Yeah, they're like, exactly. Say, exactly. And he was gay. Right. It was in yeah. the black phone. <laughs> Good God. Oh, God. I so that yeah, so- is not doing anything for Right, that but I mean, topic. yeah. Again, nobody, nobody in the movie ever says that nobody he's explicitly gay. That. Nobody says right. that he's. But I'm just saying there's probably a little bit about the that. performance that just feels a little femme queen. Yes, femme queen, cunty. <laughs> <laughs> there was something really pussy about it. <laughs> yeah, I was like real fish. It's real fish. <laughs> he was serving a fish in this performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, tilapia. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is not his first time in drag. Um, no. no, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, so I don't get this. I don't get why, you know, that's never really explained. Like, how does the grabber hear the phone? In the short story, the grabber is able to hear the phone. But I'm sure a short story, reading it is more poetic than watching that. You're like, sure. why can he hear the phone too? But I'm like, is that just a sign that like these boys are now attached to him and that's why they're oh, haunting him until he's taken down. Or is it like the, his guilt, you know, coming hmm. back and well, it seems like their explanation is that he does hear it, but that he doesn't want to believe it. You know what I'm so saying? Guilt. So maybe uh, guilt. Okay. Sure. 
Like like the one of the ghosts on the phone, I, I forget which one, is like literally says like he can hear it, he just doesn't want to believe it because maybe maybe he's not so willing to believe in the supernatural because the co- the cord to the phone is cut, you know. Yeah. So there's no and he and he sort of rationalizes it to himself that the static electricity is what causes the the phone to ring randomly. And so right. he's sort of he's created these excuses to why the phone why he doesn't hear the phone ringing, but maybe he does hear it and he just refuses to believe that it yeah. could be anything supernatural because why would he? Right. Is and that I the think first place the my mind story, goes the, now? So everybody can hear the phone in the short story. But sure. I think the you know, I don't know if it's it's Finney in the book, but I think that that character maybe is just the only one to answer it. Sure, sure, the, sure, sure. What happened? I don't know that there's this whole psychic part. I don't even know if Gwen, yeah. Miss Gwen is in the story. It's a short story. They don't have time to be introducing all these other characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So these so these phone oh. calls that happen, right? We the you know we we get the boys, but then they also start um, giving him clues on what to do. Oh yeah, Bruce is to like to survive. I- there's a loose tile, which I don't think it was Liz because it, looked, it was like, definitely looked pieces. like he was breaking it. Yeah, he was he like says, breaking to pieces. Oh, well, that feeds into this. Okay, so he said that these boys were maybe not actually even doing this. They maybe didn't have the knowledge of what was in the room until after they died. And so that huh. they never themselves tried. Because he says that, the t- that the, he didn't have time to dig a hole to escape. So it's like, but didn't he start? Because there was no start to this. Yeah, there was none. All. There were the, Yeah, like... He was doing all the work. Like nobody said he broke the tile trying to remove it. I'm like, it wasn't loose. He just broke it. Yeah. See, that's my problem with these ghosts. Like, why? Why does everything have to be talked like spoken in riddles? Why can't they be straightforward riddles? And and it's like they're setting up the trap just right (laughs) because they know how to take him down now. That and they have to use Finny as their physical force to make it happen. Yeah, Yeah. But it's almost like they're all like home aloneing him. Yeah. Each one of them getting their bloody revenge. And then we don't get another call until the next section. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's do it. Let's get into the next section. The grabber grabber brings Finny food food and he exits. He leaves leaves the door to the basement basement unlocked. unlocked. Finny prepares prepares to sneak out, but is stopped by the phone ringing. It is the voice of another missing boy who Finny is able to figure out is the paper boy, Billy. Suddenly, we're able to see Billy's bloodied ghost behind Finny. Finney is not able to see him. Billy warns that the grabber purposefully left the door unlocked as a trap. This is a game that the grabber likes to play, and he's waiting upstairs to brutally attack Finney with a belt if he leaves the basement. Sure enough, we see the grabber, shirtless, wearing his mask, waiting for Finney. Finney heeds Billy's warning. Billy calls back later and instructs Finney to use a cord he found and hid to get out via the basement window. While climbing, Finney breaks the bars of the window, preventing him from climbing back up. While this happens, Gwen dreams of Billy delivering newspapers being abducted by the grabber. In this vision, she's clearly able to see the grabber wearing one of the variations of his devil mask. She later confides in her father about her visions. He stops her, explaining her mother had visions that drove her to madness and eventually suicide. This is why he tries to prevent Gwen from believing in her visions. Gwen expresses that she thinks her visions can help them locate Finney and convinces him to find the brick house she saw in her dream. It seems they are able to locate the brick house because we then see Wright and Miller approach a home similar to the one in Gwen's vision. They begin speaking to an eccentric, coked-up man named Max, played by James Ransone, who is staying in the area with his brother. 
Max thinks the police are seeking his advice as he's been following the kidnappings and thinks he's figured out where the grabber lives. The police decide they're barking up the wrong tree and they leave. However, it is revealed that Max is the grabber's brother and Finney is being held in the basement right under Max's feet unbeknownst to him. Later, the grabber approaches Finney and asks for his name. Finney lies, saying his name is Taylor, but the grabber knows that this is a lie due to the newspaper. The grabber makes it seem as if he would have let Finney go if he had told the truth. The grabber goes back upstairs, and as he guards the basement door, he begins to fall asleep. Finney scans the room with his flashlight, thinking of ways to escape. Suddenly, his light flashes on the floating body of another victim, Griffin, who points towards the phone. Finney answers the phone, and Griffin's voice is on the line. Griffin reveals the grabber is asleep upstairs, and Finney can make a break for it. However, the front door is locked shut with Griffin's old combination bike lock. During Griffin's time in the basement, he carved his lock combination into the wall, 23317. However, he can't remember the transposition of the numbers. Finney sneaks upstairs, and after a few failed attempts, he manages to unlock the door, but the grabber's dog begins barking, waking the grabber. Finney makes it out and runs down the street, but is soon recaptured by the grabber, who holds a knife to his throat so he won't scream. Oh my god. Okay, so... We have another phone call, but with this phone call, we now see that these boys can appear as bloodied ghosts. Yeah, whoa. Finney doesn't see them yet, but they're there. So Billy shows up, which Billy honestly is probably the most used male name in horror history. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. This is probably the 100,000th time this name was used in a movie. I know. So the grabber waiting in the kitchen for these boys and beating him when they come up is fucking scary. But also, I know that he also says he mostly kills his his victims with a knife. So I'm like, so the beating was not their death, right? Because for a while, no, I think I was... That's, that's this thinking. is just the first round, remember? They say after yeah. they play Naughty Boy um, by Beyonce, uh, that... No! Oh, <laughs> that better not be on your Spotify <laughs> Naughty Boy in Brickhouse. Yeah. <laughs> not Naughty Girl. Um, <laughs> uh, base, oh, what were we saying? I totally forgot. My, I lost my train of thought. Oh, they said that um, after you play Naughty Boy... Yeah. Then that, then after that, then it's his favorite part. Which again, we never find out what his favorite part of the sick game he plays is. But whatever it is, <sighs> does take place after the first round. And because they, they're like, you can't if you can't beat him if you don't play, and mm-hmm. so you have to play the first round of Naughty Boy. Ew, even the, be, even the name Naughty Boy the is name, so gross. It's predatory for sure. And yeah, I, I think that when. We get this part of the story where we know that he's waiting in the kitchen for them to come up and he's waiting. He's like getting prepared for it. Like his shirt is off and shit. And like, then we also meet his brother in the same scene, Max, who's a fucking drug addict. So then it's like, okay, this is obviously feeding not only into the child abuse narrative here, but also it feels like some insight into who the grabber might be. Like he's a child killer. His brother's also a drug addict. So obviously they have probably shared trauma of their own. And maybe their dad beat them. That's literally what I thought. I'm like, I, this is, I think, some insight about how the grabber grew up. Obviously, this is maybe something that yeah, the, he experienced in his own childhood. This is so, some I mean, hereditary shit. Like, this is passed maybe down trauma from generation to generation. Exactly. Exactly. And that's probably why Finney is able to overcome the grabber, because he shares that yeah. same experience with him. Ooh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they... they maybe have like similar pasts but um 
they're dealing with it two different yeah, ways. Yeah, ex- sure. exactly. For sure. You can either, it could either go one way or it could go the other. Oh, that's an yeah. interesting way to kind of look at that. Hmm. Right. Poetic. You can either be, you either become the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <gasps> Ooh, uh, like disenchanted. <laughs> Yes, like the new Disenchanted trailer where we see Princess Giselle um, turn Full on stepmother Cinderella. Yeah, turn to the dark side. <laughs> it's just like this movie. <laughs> yes, yes they, they're very similar. I think. I think they're, <laughs> they're similar. They're similar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I know I listed it as another idea in this movie, but seeing the boys' ghosts is kind of cool. But it's definitely like a. I have mixed feelings on it. I feel like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Griffin floating, it, that's when it doesn't work. Yeah, to me that seems like, like okay, why did he appear like that? Aren't you supposed to be helping him, not scaring the fuck out of him? Like, why are you backbending Emily Rose? Like, what is happening? Exactly. I thought that imagery was sort of, like, out of place because when the other boys appear, they're sort of facing away from Finny. Like, yeah. they're there in spirit, but they're not actually there. But we can see that their souls are, like tortured and like they can't remember their names like it's a sad do you existence think it's a, of where their soul is yeah. I think it's because they're stuck there do you think it's like a reflection of how they were killed like Billy shows up and he has like some sort of gash on his face and yeah. I'm like it did Griffin like did he break his back or something like is he like I mean is they have to stay in that position forever or something like that was the only way I could kind of rationalize why this ghost who's supposedly helping this boy would show up in a fucking floating backbend to point at the phone. <laughs> it's like when Miss Misha was um, in the sixth sense that she was still yes. throwing up. It's like, damn, she didn't yeah. even get to escape you, her suffering. You can't even win in the afterlife. Even when you're haunting somebody no, else, you still have she's to still be in suffering. Pain. No, uh, this is horrible. It's a horrible, but maybe it's just kind of show, tell the audience that they're trapped. Yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. May, yeah. Maybe yes. With, if Finn is able to right the wrongs or give them justice, they'll be able to move on from this mm-hmm. horrific things that are still sort of plaguing them in the afterlife. Yes. And I, th- I think that feeds into, well, I think them helping him is cooler because, you know, like helping him, they need to get found so that their souls can be released. I think that's cooler than actually like seeing their ghosts in these scary positions um, or bloodied up and stuff. It's like, yeah. well, I don't know. I think just I them know. calling is enough. I think that I think the calling <laughs> would have just been enough for me. That's because the, then that's it like, kind of reaches sinister vibes. It's like, am I supposed to be scared of the grabber sure. or the kids? Appearing? Or do you? Know, it kind of feels like again, uh, maybe it's just some of the performances from the kids, but it almost feels like an adult. Are you afraid of the dark episode or something? Yeah, you know. like a dark version of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Yeah, like a rated R version of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, I don't know. It just, like, doesn't... Sometimes it works yeah. and sometimes it doesn't for me. It sometimes makes it feel a little juvenile. Yeah, but also kind of disrespectful. <laughs> like, considering how many people have this as their story, there are some people who are not going to be able to watch this movie because it's so... It's kind of exploitative in that way like with showing the boys dead like obviously this is not a true story but because there's so much truth in it Hmm. it's sort of like this is jarring to see a child not only be killed on screen but to see what they looked like after they were murdered 
Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that that's is pretty traumatizing. Like, yikes. I mean, most movies try to just stay away from killing off kids altogether, <laughs> yeah. let alone showing us what they looked like. like I know. Like, that is true. I mean... They, they weren't afraid to go there, I guess. They weren't afraid to go there, and I will say, like, good for these kids, yeah. and good for, you know... I feel like we've talked about it before, where I was like, do you know what? I We appreciate the... You know, going there when it comes to killing children. The, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I pre- yeah, but exactly. it was harsh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is hard yeah, to, yeah. to see. Okay, hold on. These boys helping him triggered um, a dream I had once. One time, I had a dream that I was this girl, which I've never had a dream that I was somebody else besides myself. Oh, really? I Ever? Always? No, I'm usually always myself, living like the in you know luxury or something <laughs> i'd never had a dream that i was somebody else and, and so i was this girl trapped in this huge warehouse full of persian rugs and in the dream i knew that i had been abducted and i knew someone was after me so i Uh-oh. was like wrapped up in one of these rugs like the movie room oh my god and, like, i understood that like i was put in this woman's body by like some higher power with the purpose of getting her out of the rug so like I was able to figure out how to get out of the rug and then like find my way out of the warehouse and as soon as I started running the dream stopped so I like thought to myself I've always thought to myself about that dream because it happened when I was so much younger that I was like what if that was real like it was so strangely specific like what if I've like I don't know. Like, usually in your dreams, you're yourself. And I just remember that this was... I was like, what if that was real? And, like, that's, like, what, you know, spirituality does. Like, yeah. they take you and put you in someone else's body to help them get out of something or deal with something. Ooh. And then they put you back. And then they tell the story. And they're like, I don't know. I blacked out. And before I knew it, I was at the police station. <gasps> oh, my God. Well, do you know what? I forget. There's been so many multiverse movies that have come out recently. And oh. I th- and I think that this might be the Doctor Strange logic. But <laughs> I think it's, like... I think they bring up this idea that your dreams are you're actually seeing what's happening to your other self in another timeline or another universe. Oh my god, like everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, but so it's like what if your dream that you had was actually another you in another timeline going through that? Oh I wish my god well I have uh, a message for the universe. I'm out. I got myself (laughs) out of there. Yeah, fuck that. That's a crazy dream. Well, I'm glad you... It reminded uh, me of this movie. Don't you hate that, though, when you're having a dream like that and you just, like, want to see the conclusion? I want to make sure she made it out okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I want to know. I want want the satisfaction of the ending. Oh, well. What can you do? Okay, mixed emotions about everything in this movie. But Mm -hmm. the scene when Gwen calmly discusses her visions with her dad... Is interesting because I feel like they paint him as this alcoholic, white trash. He beats his yeah. kids, and then they start to push past that headline, and just and then we kind of discover that, that, you it, know, that it's all for it's a reason. Vulnerability, yeah, yeah. There's vulnerability behind it. They start humanizing him, and I'm like, I yeah. don't know though. He still beats his kids. Yeah, I know. It, yeah, because then we start figuring out why he like he is so you know he drinks a lot because his wife actually committed suicide because of her dreams and. Um, you know, obviously that he resents Gwen because she obviously shares the same Has gift. That ability. He's scared she'll go down the same path. Yes, and, not and be able so to handle it. It's sort yeah. of like last night in Soho. Literally, oh yeah, it's the same storyline. 
It is. It is. It is very similar to that. Now that you bring that up. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it seems like it's like, oh, is this the route? I mean, is it the right route to take when you're dealing like no. depicting an abusive father? Be like, oh, but I mean, I mean, well, people it's are human, but it shouldn't be as apologetic as it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's sort of like jarring to have, kind of have a sit there and see him beat Gwen and her performance. I mean, just fucking yeah. knocked it out of the park. And then you have to start then sympathizing with this character. Like, oh, he's just trying to protect her. Yeah, mm, I don't know. He was yeah. so scared that he beat her. It's like, yeah. are you trying to make us like the victim? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we're like we're we're coping with that. Like that's how we're dealing with it. There's an explanation. Oh, it was because of me. Sorry. Yeah, there's like, an explanation no, no, no. to everything. There's an excuse for anything. He's just sad, and he you know he's been driven to drink because he, of a great loss of his love. Like I don't know. I don't know about mm. this. Then we have <laughs> this oh. scream moment. Where, for me, it is like scream, straight out of scream. Okay, so like this first escape is so tense, right? He speaks right. to Griffin and he's like, my locker com- my locker combination. Oh, I do like combinations. This is, is probably my wall. favorite part of the movie. I think that yeah, this is the most clever and the most tense. Yes, it's like, but I don't remember if it was 23, yes. 317, or if it was 31, 231. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant writing. But um, he's trying to get out of there, and you're like, oh my God. And he's actually made it. But that fucking devil dog yeah. fucking starts barking, and he Cujo. gets after him. And he's able to get catch up to him so fast. But then he's holding that knife to his neck, and he's like, if you make one sound, I'll gut you like a pig and strangle you with your own intestines. And I was like, I was like, ghost face. This is ghost face for sure. But that's dark, especially in juxtaposition with most of his line deliveries leading up to this. Yeah. Hi, are you ready to eat? He's like, I'm going to gut you like a pig. Right. Why again? And I don't think I, I don't think I explained the second half of the duality when I brought it up earlier. So so there's like the, you know, the timid, the kind of like weird, creepy, almost like I want to say motherly, motherly voice that he does <laughs> but then he'll like drop into this like really deep scary voice and I think that was like some breathing. those are some like strong choices on on Ethan Hawke's part I would say when it comes to you know finding an original way to make this character you know scary and um, yeah you know, memorable so but I, he also probably feels like he's losing at this point too. Like, yeah. So he starts to lose it. Like he's not feeding into any of the games. It's not yeah. working. So this is just frustration at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But this uh, this particular scene where Finn uh, Finny escapes is a direct uh, homage to the famous victim of Jeffrey Dahmer's, who also. <gasps> escaped oh, made it out made it out but did not make it far enough before he was caught and brought back and so um again real world you know events are fully inspiring things that happen in this movie which are terrifying because yeah. they are real these are real things that happen people sometimes escape but don't make it you know yeah yeah and this movie sort of serves as a reminder and it's funny because it is a movie and like we have always said on this show is that I think our shared appreciation of horror movies is that it is a cryptic reflection of the world around us and Mm -hmm. so for this movie to use those things and sort of give it this horror twist while it is cool it still is like haunting because you thought of all of these things 
and that they they were inspired by so many real events to make this story happen that it's like oh my god this is really just an amalgamation of like the worst things that have ever happened to like <laughs> people to people in the suburbs <laughs> yeah god all right do we want to finish this off let's finish it off Despondent over his failed escape, Finney answers the phone to hear another victim, a former school bully named Vance. Vance informs Finney of a connecting storage room he can escape through if he breaks a hole in the wall and exits through the freezer on the other side. Gwen has a vision of Vance making contact with Finney, overhearing the conversation they just had. In this vision, she is able to clearly see the house address. Finney creates a hole in the wall with a toilet tank cover and enters the back of the freezer, which is filled with meat, only to discover that the freezer door is locked. Finney breaks down in tears, discouraged. The phone rings again. This time it is Robin. He comforts Finney and encourages him to finally stand up and fight for himself. He instructs Finney to remove the phone receiver and pack it with the dirt he had dug up to give it weight and use it as a weapon. He then instructs Finney how to use it to hit the grabber. Gwen uses her vision to try and locate the brick house. She eventually finds the right house when she sees a vision of the dead boys who have helped Finney standing in front of the address. Gwen rushes home to contact Wright and Miller. Meanwhile, the grabber goes to a hardware store, picking up supplies to kill Finney. At the house, Max snorts coke while reviewing his research of the kidnappings. He begins to realize his brother may be the grabber. He makes his way to the basement and finds Finney. Before Max can help him, the grabber appears and forces an axe into his skull. Meanwhile, the police rush to the house that Gwen found, but find it is empty. However, in the basement, they find the buried bodies of the grabber's victims. The grabber prepares to attack Finney, but first calls his vicious-looking dog down to the basement. He then lunges at Finney with the axe, but he manages to run to the toilet. That sounds weird. What? <laughs> that he runs to the toilet, but he does. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happens. Finney uses the cord Billy found to trip the grabber, causing him to fall into the tunnel Bruce told him to dig. The grabber breaks and traps his ankle in the window bars Finney hid at the bottom of the hole. Finney uses the phone weapon Robin helped him prepare, smashing it into the grabber's face. He then uses the cord to strangle the grabber. Just then, the phone begins to ring. Finney holds the phone up to the grabber's ear. All the boys begin to taunt the grabber over the phone, as Finney finishes them off by snapping his neck with the phone cord. Finney distracts the dog with the meat from the freezer Vance told him to open. Finney finally escapes the house of horrors by using Griffin's combination again. Finney exits the house, and we see he was across the street from the grave sites. Gwen notices him and runs into his arms as police rush to the property. The siblings comfort each other as their father arrives and tearfully apologizes for his treatment. Back at school, a confident Finney returns to his classes, taking his seat next to Donna, who he says can call him Finn. The end. Whoa! This, uh, this, uh, real quick, before we go to the top of the section, this ending kind of reminds me of House of Wax. Like, the twins killed the twins. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, the siblings yeah. overcame the other siblings. Oh, yeah. I so see. there's oh, definitely yeah. some inspiration from 2005 House of Wax in here. Oh, for sure, yeah. Siblings and siblings, <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, so at the top of this section, we have this cute moment where Finney talks to Robin, which I think is really cute. Like, Robin tells him that he's been with him the whole time. But yeah. this is kind of where it does feel like his performance belongs in a different movie. Because he's yeah. still like, like, come yeah, on, Yeah, come man. on, man. Like, Everything he says is kind of like this. It's very robotic. And just, I don't know, not my favorite performance ever. You got this. You're strong enough to do yeah. this. It's Why like, is he so right. inspirational? Like, it's kind of strange. It doesn't seem like a normal, I don't know, teenager, mm-hmm. preteen, what a 
I don't speak like this, but maybe not, it's just not me. particularly. But I do think that I I do love that he's like he's like you're here, and he's like or he's like you can see me. He's like yeah, I can see. I can see you. He's you. trying to hide his tears. I know. Oh, oh, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. It's like oh, <laughs> it is such a cute moment. I, I love is. when he calls him. But before that, I think Vance calls him first. When I'm like, why is Vance, who's barely been in this movie, Ugh, why does should... he get this big special introduction? Of he definitely should because beating what? up another kid. I know. I know that wig is insane. He looks like a looks like a fucking country music singer in the eighties. <laughs> he looks like when the queens on uh, Drag Race All Stars did the Dolly Parton <laughs> <laughs> runway. The runway. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was like Reba hair. It was like insane. But I guess maybe that's how the the punks kind of looked back then. Because he's kind of like this like punky kid, right? I, his performance too. I don't know. This is another one that I. Everything he says is kind of like this, motherfucker. Yeah. It's like it just all it comes across a little cartoony to me. Yeah, and I know that they had mentioned that Vance was like this badass kid earlier. Like they've said it a few times at this point. So I think that. They were kind of building it up so that he would be this like kick-ass character, but honestly, that's already been established to be the Robin character. Yeah. So to me, Vance just feels like a. I'm like, why are they making this a thing? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I. I know. It's it's redundant. I don't know. Is it supposed to be like, look, Vinny? Here's all these like really strong characters. They couldn't even make it out. How are you going to? I think maybe it's like. Well, it's almost like a last sort of word, like. Like, it's like the one before Robin, as far as the order of the calling. So it seems like, oh my God, this is the, this is the boy I was scared of in school. Wow. And now yeah. he's like, you better fucking do it or else. Like, it's like one more push of encouragement to like do the damn thing. And it's yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know. I thought the conversation with Robin was poetic and I thought it was enough to kind of give him the energy to fight yeah and then, then we go into that um the the training montage where they they're all he's all uh you know wax on wax off he was all right left right left kick uh, son, uh. <laughs> right left right kick uh, uh, son, uh, yo that jacket is tight now roll on that shit bitch yeah i mean, nah, I mean. <laughs> yeah wow yo, roll on that shit bitch yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, this is sort of, it's kind of what you were saying, relating it. It's a bookend, and it feels just as rushed as the opening. It's like there's a lot yeah. going on. Um, Gwen is getting clearer visions. But I do like the tension that builds here. It's like Robin's training him to, like, fight. Gwen is getting clearer visions. The Grabber is preparing to kill Finny. Yeah. Um, Finney's preparing to kill the grabber. It's like, when is it all going to come to a halt? What's going to happen? Find out on the next episode. It felt very that. Right. Totally. Um, I do like the transition though, from just getting backstory on Vance to all of a sudden, all of a sudden Gwen, like being in the dream, like the dream, like the, the shift in like the, well, how it looked. I I thought that was kind of cool. Is that his personal hell? Like he just keeps getting fights and keeps getting arrested or like, Oh my God. Yeah. Why is he living? All the other boys seem like they're stuck in the basement and he's like living his (laughs) life. (laughs) Yeah. He's like passing by the house. Like, yeah. He's like, he's like waiting at Madison Montgomery at Ross. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or a bed, bath and beyond or whatever she's at. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, Maybe Jessica Lang's his grandma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he was the housemaid of Naughty Pine. <laughs> ah! I don't know. 
It was weird though, know. but it is cool. It was cool to see like, okay, where is this going? And then all of a sudden, like Gwen's in the car with him, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. And he hears. We see how what's happening on the other side. How these boys are getting connection with Finny. Right. So that's exactly. Kind of a cool idea, I guess. That is a cool idea. Um, one of like the like moments that I like is when he um, has a confrontation with the grabber where. I, I don't really understand why he has the conversation or what he's getting at, but when he like gets him to lie about his name and then like, you he was know, looking for like, a reason to punish him. Yeah. I was looking for a reason to punish him. And he was like, I was going to let you go. I was like, Ooh, that's like, that's, that stings. But also, are you, are you lying? Are you telling the truth? Who knows? No. Yeah. I don't think he was. He I think that he was just getting truth. tired of him not feeding into the games or the traps that he said. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to just have to just try this one. What's your name? Like Taylor. Yeah. You lied yeah. to me. I thought you were special. And then he goes and gets the things to punish him. It's like, oh God. Yeah. Right. What a freak. What a freak. So then Vance tells him about this um you know, this freezer. It's like through the wall and he like breaks through the wall with the with the you know, toilet tank cover and everything, and then it feels like a dead the end. Freezer's locked. And the freezer's yeah. locked. And I think and that's that what I'm saying. These boys are just giving him these tools, not because that one's going to work specifically, but because it'll all come together in the final showdown. In the end, in the final showdown. But he doesn't know that in the moment. So he's hoping no. that every time he talks to one of these, one of these voices that they're, they're just, they're trying to um, help him escape right in that moment. But it's all leading up to something. But one thing that, that Vance does say, which I think is interesting, is that it's not about you. He tells Finney it's not about him. He's like, it's not about you. It's about getting back at him. I thought that was kind of interesting because it is kind of like, why do all these ghosts come together to help this one boy? And it's not, and it's, it's not necessarily yeah. because they want to save the boy. It's because they want to Free extract revenge. And, and yeah, and kind of get revenge. Well, I think for Vance specifically, he's like, I don't give a fuck about you. What I want you to do is kill this guy so that I can fucking go home or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, but I thought that was very interesting. So that, yeah. So then he like, he breaks through the wall and um, obviously it's a dead end in this specific moment. But I think this little breakdown that, that Mr. Mason gives is so good. It's like, it's uh, so heartbreaking because he's is. like this, he is a little kid in this incredibly adult situation and he's been trying his best to keep it together. We haven't seen him really lose it too much, but it, it just all comes to a head in this moment where he just feels hopeless and he just breaks down crying and it is very, very yeah. sad, it, but, what a great actor. Ex- but expertly delivered by him expertly in this delivered. moment. By so. such a young talent, yes, and, I and I felt it. it. It felt it felt like the sob of somebody who's just who ha- given who, up. Yeah, who's who's yes. close to giving up. Who's just like, I can't. I don't know. Well, what we else know to he's do. about to meet his demise. It's scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like if I, I don't give if, up now. Yeah, this was supposed to. Be, I thought this was going to be my out. If this isn't my out, this is as close as I'm going to get. I'm done for. I'm not getting out. Which he Ooh, says earlier scary. in the film. He's like, I'm not getting out of here. And I'm like, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not- I would have thought that from the beginning. I would have been defeated. Like, oh yeah. my God. What is going on? I don't know if I would be able to pull through like he does. But right. meanwhile, Gwen's character makes a very um, 
mature decision because she makes this really interesting choice that we most often don't see in horror movies from kids and teenagers, which is when she finds a house, instead of trying to play hero and going inside herself, she goes and calls the cops. She does. But then this is interesting to me, is that (laughs) they, the cops and her go to this house and they get into this house and they're looking all around and they don't find him. They just find, they do find the dead bodies. But at simultaneously, we have the big knockout climactic fight between the grabber and Finny across the street, which happens on its yeah. own. So, and then, you know, not to jump ahead, we'll get back into the fight. But when he, when Finny escapes from the house, you kind of come to the realization that Gwenny's visions didn't help him at all. <laughs> <laughs> No, it almost, but you know what, too? It almost seemed like the boys were helping Finny. That was their goal there. But it almost seemed like Gwen's visions were more about where helping the boys them? were. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't really about helping her brother. It was about finding these boys. No. Her vi- yeah, her, vi- her visions were useless in finding him because he ended up escaping on his own. Well, with the help of the ghosts, but. Yeah, yeah. And before we get to what I think of, of that, like you said, so Mac, there's Max, and he's just oh yeah, such I a totally forgot character, about this character. He's putting the piece. He could have been cut out of the movie completely. It would have been absolutely. Movie. I literally don't um, remember he's in it even now, and I just watched it. Okay, well, this is probably why because we'd rather forget because Max is putting the pieces together, and we have him come to the realization that it could be his very own brother. So he goes down to the basement and we get some of the strangest blocking ever. So first of all, Max makes his way down to the basement and it looks like there must have, this must have been like a reshoe or like uh, something is off here. His hair is completely different or the wig or whatever. This, yeah, this feels to me like Blumhouse screened the film and said, there's not enough murder in it. There's not enough. We have to market this as a horror film and not like, let's add a character that we can literally ax in the head to. Because if you think about it, Max may have been added at the end altogether. He was not in any other scenes. No, he has one other scene, and it's with the two probably lowest paid actors in the movie. <laughs> the other two detectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. they're probably like, well, let's get those three back on set. And I know James Ransone, he'll do me the favor of being in this movie because yeah, I've sure. already worked with him once before. Yes, exactly. So um, I'm like, sure. Yeah, I know he'll do it. And uh, he'll be in this, and we'll do this scene, and then we'll do the scene down in the basement. Because if you think about it, the scene in the basement. We never see Max in the same scene as any of the other more important characters. Never. Never. Not once. Ever. And the 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 bra- grabber behind him axing him in the head could have very well been a stunt double. Oh, for sure. So Ethan didn't have to be called. Did Do we even know? Maybe that... Do his the- lines about, you made me kill my brother. Are we watching him say those or was that ADR? Oh, I literally this... Yeah, I I'm think forgetting. he was a last minute addition. I don't remember. But you could be right. Oh no! This seems like an afterthought for sure. This, this seems like just like a way to up up the the scary factor. We have a murder. We could we see him axe somebody in the head. Now we and can he really market it as a horror film. Different though, like 
when he's pacing around upstairs, he gets to the bottom and his hair looks different. It almost looks like a different costume. And we're given this, he's like peeking through the door. So we get this very limited view of him. I'm like, is that even James Ransom? I'm like looking like, is that him? The hair is different and everything. And then yeah. we get, and then he opens the door and we get the reveal and the axe breaks and it almost looks completely CGI'd in. Yeah. It looks, I don't know. It, I don't know. I'm not convinced that this was originally in the I'm script. not convinced that this isn't green screen. This, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all CGI, like light but year. It just looks weird, but it is it is brutal, but it sort of took me out of the movie. It feels out of place. It feels like, oh, whoa. Yeah. It was okay. strange direction. And he's like, you made me kill my brother. And it's like, okay. Yeah, somebody else said it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, I don't know. Uh, it, it's out of place to me. I don't love it. I don't love it. But here we go with the fight. The the grand all climax yes. of Finny versus the Grabber. Yes, we're seeing everything come together. Every little, you know, the boys. An amalgamation they, of the tools yeah, and tips and tricks. Exactly. And, you know, the, the dip in the floor was perfect because it got him to break his ankle on the, on the thing. And then and uh, the phone rings one more time and all these cryptic oh, yeah. repeated lines that they've been saying throughout the movie finally come to get together in a final message to their killer. Yeah. And it's kind of captivating as yeah, he takes his final good. breath. It's yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Go and then, and then Finny. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. Well, I was. I think you might have been going where I was going because... I especially love that Finny is his own hero. Like you said, Gwen's yeah. visions didn't do shit. Yeah. She's just also well, yeah, an afterthought. Th- these, bo- these boys <laughs> have inspired him to stand up for himself, stand up against his oppressor, his abuser, his this and that. And mm. now he's able to have the self-confidence to yes. murder this man. <laughs> well, he, he, he is his own hero and he takes down the grabber with his own physical strength but also like yeah. you said for halloween 2018 it's uh he's fueled by all of the the victims yeah. by all of the boys who yes. who died before him all the and people also, in the past all the people yeah it's all coming together strength all the strengths of the final boys and also he um is also fueled because he's been constantly bullied he's been attacked by his or he's he's never stood up for gwen against his father so it's yeah. like all of this is fueling this final like rage to just break this man's neck. And I think that is um, a great thing that yeah. no one helped him. Gwen didn't go into the house and see what's going on. She didn't right. use her visions yeah. to find him. Like the police didn't find him. He, yeah, he, he did it on his own redemption arc. Yeah. And it's, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like the audience applaud is audience sure. applauds. Of course. We, we love to see a, a predator meet his end at the end of at, totally. you know, at his prey at the hand of his prey um, and then we yeah. get the emotion the touching the yeah. side of it yeah and then he wa- he walks out it's all epic he you know yes. he uses the lock number to get out and then in slow motion Gwenny sees him from across the street thinking that she's failed but instead she took them right where they needed to be and um you know, it's sort of it's sort of kind of wrapped up pretty quickly. We do get a random scene of the father showing up and yeah. begging and pleading on his knees for forgiveness. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's like no. It's crazy to me I'm, that this actor sorry, no. looks just like this outside of this movie too. <laughs> like he yeah. also has a mullet. But you know, at first I was trying to figure out if he was um, Elliot from ET. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's that actor's name? Oh, God. I was like, he's doing movies like this now. You're I mean, like, he wow. was in Ouija Origin of Evil, so I don't know. Okay, he's still working. He's still working. I love um, that. <laughs> but I'll, then Finny is like, I'm going by Finn now. You know, he's, he, and rightfully so. You know, he has a new confidence that. He's an uh, adult now. He took down a killer, a, a killer that not only killed people, but bullies and like people yeah. that everybody was scared of. He's like, I took him down. Exactly. Like, so when he, he so when he's fucking strutting down the hallway and everybody's like talking about him with his again, new hair. Yes. Yeah. And we've already established that, you know, whoever is physically the strongest and can beat the most people up, um, are the most powerful and talked about at the school. It looks like Finney's now number one. Cause now he I has a fucking, a, he's now killed somebody. So people have respect. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's tragic. I, but I also can't imagine like in real life, like, like, like going back to school after something like this and yeah. then having to deal with the inquisitive people. Like, sure. What, so what I mean, happened? You the know, double, like, the, I don't know. he has like a double stack of trauma to deal with. Like not only will right. he spend the rest of his life unpacking the abuse that he's like, w- endured withstanded from his father withstand withstand about withstood from his father um he also has to deal with the fact that he was kidnapped and almost murdered by this man like that he has a lot of work to do i'm sure yeah a lot of therapy later yeah. in life seriously for this, for this boy yeah so, i wish him luck finn <laughs> i wish him the, the best of luck yeah so okay what are your prayers. final thoughts on this um, to me, this movie, I I do like this movie. I do think it's a mixed bag. There are things that I'm like, oh, that doesn't work for me. And then there's things that really work for me. And it's like, and when it really works, it really works. But when yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And so, um, but I do think it, it, it is very scary because of it is based on a very real thing that happens. And um, it, while some things feel elevated, like the dialogue feel a little like heightened, like the grounded part of the story in like in the kidnapping and all that stuff feel very real. And I do find that very effective and scary. And so, and then I think the performances from the three leads, uh, Ethan Hawke, uh, Mr. Mason, Miss Madeline, like, I think that they, they give, they carry this movie for me. And, um, so I want to say that. And, um, so I will give this movie a, a three and a half out of five. Okay. Yeah, I I love this movie. I think that the style, the aesthetic, the tone, the atmosphere, it's great. The setting doesn't rely too heavily on nostalgia. It's just sort of yeah. blended in seamlessly. Sure, sure, sure. So I think that's great because it allows everyone to connect with this story because it isn't a timeless story, unfortunately, because this is so common, so yeah. frequent that this happens. Be- because, yeah, the themes of violence against children are very serious and are very real. And I feel like they're handled well, considering that this is a Blumhouse horror sure. movie. Like, of course. I keep reminding myself, like, for them, like, they did deal with it, I think, with probably the most respect they could. Sure. You know, but you can only do so much when you are making a PG-13 horror movie. You also have yeah. to have these... Is this PG thirteen? Psychics and no, it has to be rated R. It is. There's so much fucking like. There's more than one f bomb. Carnage. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well the the direction is really good, despite some of my personal issues with some time passing and lots of ideas and scenes that just aren't always necessary. And there's some weird blocking in here. Yeah, and the quick opening and the quick wrap up. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the writing is good, but like you said, some of those heightened levels of dialogue are just yeah. like too unreal. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. But overall, I think the movie is well done. Um, the performances are definitely probably the best part of this movie. I think yeah. that that's even probably why it has such great reviews. So but only I some specific this... performances for me. <laughs> yeah, not everybody. I almost want to. I almost want to give this like a three point seven five. Okay, like it's okay. almost a solid four, but yeah. there's just some very weird rushed things that I don't yeah. know. I'm like, but it is good. Like I don't want to say that this movie's not good. good. It is good, no, it but is it's good. just. You know, I don't know. Maybe but it I'm could like, have been better. Sure, and I'm like, maybe I'm like grading it on a on a curve or something. Like it's like for good horror movies, like it has its issues, but for compared to some other shitty movies, like it's good. Of course, yes, yes. Compared to most Blumhouse movies, yes, yes, this comes out on top. So for yeah, sure, it's a really good movie. But I think that they could have I don't know it's sort of like all of Scott Derrickson's movies are like this like Delivers from Evil Exorcism of Emily Rose and this it's like there's that careful blend of like reality real subjects and supernatural aspects like it almost seems like he hasn't quite figured out the balance sure yet. yeah it still seems but it's, sort th- of but it's like, like almost there off. yeah it's but almost, it's almost there. there all three of those movies I think are great and not all, all of them have great reviews but this one I think probably is the best out of the three. For sure. All right. Well, that concludes oh, our sinister. thoughts on the... On, yeah, the Sinister. What about... How does it stand up to Sinister, though? Well, according to that... Remember that one um, survey that we tried to participate in where they're, like, trying to find the scariest movie ever? And didn't they say Sinister was, like, the scariest movie ever? Lol. Yes. I was like, I don't... No, there is but some I think really scary things in Sinister. I will say there's very scary things in like, Sinister. Yeah, those like those kind of snuff filmy kind of things are yes. really scary. But that um, is scary. I don't know. I, I think that they're they they're scary more... in different ways. Yeah, they are. I think that that one might be a little more, a little better. Maybe. I think Sinister it might, be. might be a little better. Oh, no. Yeah. Is that an unpopular opinion? Are we going to get canceled for that? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. This movie's really good. This movie is good. I will say it's good. Yeah. All righty. With our scores put together, it's about a four out of five. Yes. It's about, yeah, it's about like a, a 3.69 out a 3. of five. 3.69. All right. Well, that's our conclusion of The Black Phone. Yes. Yes. And join us next week when we'll be discussing the movie that everyone is talking about over the summer. And some people are calling it yes. Jordan Peele's best. Yes. We're going to be talking about nope. Minions Rise of Gru. Oh. No! <laughs> <laughs> Never! <laughs> Wendell and Wild. <laughs> I'm excited for that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, I am, too. I am, too. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So we're talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. We're going to, uh, you know, head to to the sci-fi realm, which we do on occasion, which yes. I'm excited for. This is our alien movie of the season. Yes, yes. The one, <laughs> the one alien movie we The we'll one discuss. alien movie we always try to incorporate <laughs> to make it, you know, you know well-rounded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like a beautiful salad or something. Don't forget, if you want to check out uh, Miss Mitzi uh, Sanchez's foundation, um, yes. give, give that a look through. Yes, please. And, and, you know, donate and help some, help some families and kids out there. 
yes, remember this story is very real. So um, stay safe. Keep your kids safe. And sweet screams, bitch. Bye. I don't think I like those all put together <laughs> like that. But, you know, you get the sentiment. Yeah. See you on Instagram <laughs> at Fear the Talking Queers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Leave us a review. <laughs> Woo!